Welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out about something on a weekly basis, not so strongly. <laughs> um, getting tired. One day we'll find a tagline. It's getting, it's getting tired. It's getting tired. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe cut the weekly basis, but I like... But anyway, um, and this week we're talking about the brand new film out this past week, 2021's Psycho Goreman. Um... So, first off, did you enjoy the film, Ben? I did enjoy it. Okay, cool. Well, this has been Geek Out Weekly for, yep, <laughs> one more week. Um, I, Yes, yes, I did enjoy it, but there are so many parts of it I also disliked. Interesting. Which we'll, so, so, we'll you know, touch yeah, we'll on various I elements. Just wanted to... but, but yes, overall, I, I... overall, I enjoyed it. What, what about yourself? Yeah. I really liked it. Okay. Uh, I also got the opportunity to watch it with two of my housemates who also nice. okay. are bad movies, bad 80 mo- 80s movies, and horror fans, which I think is the ideal yes. environment, is a group watch with people who are also in it for those types of things, uh-huh. and they didn't know anything about them. And like uh, my newest housemate, Ben, who brought a VHS collection mm. um, of old school horror and sci-fi movies... Uh, had never heard of it and didn't know what right. to expect and was like blown away by it because uh uh so it's basically um for those who don't know it is a jesus christ phone try and mute it from things and it does the opposite <laughs> uh, there we go uh by that i mean i don't know how to push buttons on a thing um yeah so it's a modern movie but it's sort of told in vaguely like the setting is vaguely eighties Middle mm-hmm. America. It um, is all practical effects, so um, all the monsters and stuff are you know people in suits, and it's quite over the top gory, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very self aware of the genre uh, in a way that isn't parody. Yep. I would say, yep, uh, it, it toes the line really well uh, between. Um, subverting tropes and using them for the necessary use of them in the genre that you're in. Yep. Um, that's basically it. So uh, for me, uh, my, my first question I had was, what's your experience, sort of history with this type of movie? Because I think that will shape one's experience with the film. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I grew up, I suppose, from sort of an early teen, um, from an early teen age, with uh, kind of like horror films and uh, and that sort of stuff, getting in getting in through something like X Files, I suppose. Um, but but you know, leaning a bit more, I suppose, from the B movies more into sort of the Hollywood level films, or at least what the eighties Hollywood level films were. So lots of things like Hellraiser, Candyman, um, you know, Freddy films, Jason films, all of those sorts of things, which. I kind of have a very special sort of place where they're not quite big budget movies, but they're not quite B movies. And yeah. I've, I've seen a few of the lower budget um, kind of films, but more of my experience is with those, um, you know, those those eighties, early nineties as well, kind of uh, horror films before they make the leap into you know the the bigger productions like Scream and stuff like that. 
Um, right. But yeah, watched a lot of that as a as an early teenager. Um, yeah, fair. Uh, I think I'm probably in the middle. Um, mm. uh, cause sorry, I've distracted myself. Um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Oh, so I watch a lot of, I've seen a lot of B movies. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched a lot on cable growing up in, in Canada. Uh, I didn't really like gore or didn't really get into horror until later. So like the sort of Hollywood sized Halloween nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, um, didn't really get into. I've only seen a handful of those, even Hellraiser and stuff was until like university. So it's catching okay. them on like, like a, the, the resurgency that happened in the early mid 2000s mm-hmm. of like people wanting, uh, sharing them. Maybe just sequels came out and I had some horror fans. Um, but uh bad sci-fi, B-movie mm. sci-fi is a thing I saw a lot of. And so then there's obviously a lot of shared tropes with this because it's like a horror sci-fi. Yep. So I really enjoyed the tropes that I recognized from horror, but like found the tropes from also, um yeah, the sci-fi films, especially like Flight of the Navigator and Mac and Me and all these like, the kids meet an alien yep. and make friends movies that are also being played with in the middle of this horror movie. Um, and those just got me because the, the, that it was like my youth bread and butter type movie. Mm-hmm. Watch, watching with, uh, like, you know, going to the video store and what could we all agree on? Me and my two older sisters, right? Um, so yeah, so I found that, uh, um, those parts spoke more to me. And then now the, the over the top gore stuff I never watched in these types of movies, but I can appreciate it because it's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of where I sit okay. with, uh, so I was less so than both of the, my housemates who we, we watched the movie together. Right. Um, okay. So I guess, um, it's, I mean, it's not really worth going beat by beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so, um, I, there's a few beats that are, I, 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 I think I want to acknowledge. Do you have anything specific you wanted to talk about? Uh, no. I mean, um, there's, there's, I suppose it will come up as we kind of discuss the movie, but certain kind of characters and, and scenes, which I really enjoyed, um, you know, certain effects which I thought worked very well, and then the opposite: certain characters which I absolutely detested, uh, and mm. certain uh, ways that the story went which I really liked, and some which I didn't like so much. But yeah, I, sp- I suppose yeah. maybe not beat by beat, but as we discuss it, these things will invariably yeah. come out because I need to get them out. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, so 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 why don't I? I'll, I'll lead, but if but it's going to be very loose. So if you have a thing you want to jump to sure. um just just let that happen i think first of all the opener is so classic 80s 70s sci-fi mm. with the scrolling pseudo gothic text yes. uh that's telling this epic generic space fantasy story mm-hmm. about this big evil who was conquered and then trapped Brah! and then it, it cuts to two kids that are already muddy yes um playing uh Crazy Ball, yeah, not quite Dodgeball. Uh, it's their, their, yeah, their, their obvious homebrew version of Dodgeball that is like iterated over time. It's, it's like kind of like Ken, Calvin Ball and Calvin and Hobbes, uh, but it's also that those that trope is because you know latchkey kids, nothing to do, yep, 
only so much TV time allowed. You didn't have anything else, so you made up dumb games. And then because you were siblings and you played the dumb games over and over, they got weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that may be bringing me up uh, my first uh, my first dislike. Um, a lot of the characters are over the top, of course. They're they're, yes. they're hammed up. Um, not even not even hammed up. They're just very kind of extreme. For, There's a hundred percent trope. Yeah, absolutely. They well, that, and I think that's my problem. They're one hundred percent trope, rather than it being a nicer balance. Um, the the uh, the the two kids are Luke just too extreme for me. I think they oh, are just okay. they're just too much. If it was dialed back just that little bit, so you can get why you want the the girl to be. You know, she comes across as a bit more aggressive, and the and the a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Very aggressive, but that works well with the story that she that she is more of the that she is the dominant kind of sibling, um, and she is kind of a little bit uh, out there and nuts. Um, uh, but the the brother's just so wet, isn't he? Uh, and I and I can see why he would be more um, subservient to the um, to his sister, uh, but it was just such a unbalanced kind of relationship I suppose uh, and yeah 100% trope is definitely the issue I have with those That's two characters fair. being I mean, the two think, main characters really as well I think so So the, there's a part where I, when I first watched it I was like really? Mm. I near the end which we'll get to but I'll save that just in case people want to end stuff can be spoiler sure. chatted about later maybe who knows but um, but I I think it's actually, I think it's stronger as being dumb trope that you can just like let wash over you. Yeah. In a sense. For what it's doing, I think it, because it starts subverting in very weird ways, mm. um, I think it needs that like generic audience buy-in of, of these are the tropey characters. Well, if they had nuance, then you'd have to deal with some of the weirder subversions in a mm. more nuanced way. Mm. Um, but I I totally get, like, so Mimi fucking sucks. Yep. Sucks the whole movie. Doesn't get redeemed. Just sucks. Uh, and what I like about the Mimi as the trope is that she is the little sister. Yes. So, so what they do, like you said, so there is the two siblings. One's a wet, wet, wet blanket made out of paper towels. And the other is the super aggressive, I always win, my parents can't control me, mm-hmm. I'm a brat, and when my parents ask me to be nice to my sibling, I say, fuck that. They should just be better. Get good. Yep. Um, and they've inverted that by being not only, um, like, you inverted on the age spectrum, the gender spectrum, and even the size spectrum. Mm. Like, she is small. She is weak. Like, she's just small and, like, she's quite a skinny actress. She's, like, a two to four years younger than Luke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but just owns him consistently. And, like, the permissive dad lets it happen. The flabbergasted mum. Again, we'll get to their characters in a bit. But, like, me, Mimi and Luke are just so stereotypically the trope. But personality, it's the inverse. Like, Mm -hmm. it is the young sister, and there is this wet blanket who's sad and beat up on, but it's the wrong one. Yep. And that I appreciated. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Yes, yes. That that twist to that element was was good to see. It, definitely. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that that trope character is annoying as hell, and you don't want them in the movie because they're not really a protagonist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's the tension the film gets instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally get it. And and boy, does the film. So I think the film by not having a redemption really for her Mm. i think it's stronger for what it's trying to do but it doesn't make you like that character at all sure yeah yeah. right but you're you're supposed to not like that character it's also kind of true i'm going to the end again um so so luke similar he he kind of grows a spine (sighs) but it's so wet yeah it might just grow Um, in a different angle instead you know it doesn't yeah doesn't go up. So yeah, so they, um, they, uh, okay, the other thing in the opening I wanted to touch on, uh, just check my notes, um, is I really like, uh, the, the cuts from, so in the Calvin Ball, they've got this like hardcore rock music, mm-hmm. and Crazy Ball, sorry, uh, and then they have this one scene where they cut from the close-ups of action movies with slow-mos and jumping to them like a really far wide shot which makes it look like the kids are literally just kids throwing balls yep. and kind they of cut, like they cut the music badly. off it's and yeah, yeah. I was just say and like the, the cutting the music off to remind you that the music is not diegetic that they're just kids mm-hmm. in like the light rain in mud poorly throwing balls at each other yeah that's clever so good and they they do it a couple other times this is one of the things i really like about the direction is there's a few other scenes in the movie where they cut the music mm. between it's like hardcore music and they cut it just to remind the audience this is how dumb it is this this thing is very dumb and if you didn't have the music it would be very dumb looking and they like again cinematically also cut to a weirder shot for those um and like they only do it two or three times, so it doesn't outstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. But it shows just how smart and how well thought out the movie is. Like the writer director clearly knows this genre very well and knows what makes it work, such that he can show it to you while still not collapsing it. Yes. Um. Yeah. So the non the non diegetic music was 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 one of my favorite things that got me immediately invested in the film. I was like. Oh, I see. Because I had only seen the trailer, which is mm-hmm. could just be a generic one of these movies. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, with some humor, being him called Psycho Gorman. Um, so anyway, the kids find. Uh, so Mimi wins Crazy Ball and makes her brother dig a random hole, and then they find a weird glowing pink stone. They awkwardly ask their parents about monsters as bad foreshadowing that feels really forced and overwritten. And then you realize the movie is doing that on purpose because that's what movies used to do. Yep. Uh, and then Psycho Gorman escapes, right? Yeah, he's he's entombed uh, in their back garden, essentially. And this this yes. this gem that, that Mimi pulls out uh, from it's, it's, uh, whatever it's held in um, unleashes him, I suppose. Um, but he wasn't, it wasn't buried that far down, was he? For, for the big, yeah, the big I mean, so evil that, of the universe, he again, was buried I think like six playing... foot down in the back, in someone's back garden. Yeah. So, uh, so like to fast forward, we find out through different scenes, like the, 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 the like Doctor Who collection of random alien species who are in this war room being like, Oh no, how do we stop some, the big some bad? Some of which look absolutely phenomenal. 
Oh, they're so good. Yeah. It's clearly like a, hey, practical effects people, make us the most batshit things. Yep. But also some of them are clear tropes as well. Yes. Like, yeah. You've got the the brain in the vat dude. Uh, yeah, I mean that's. I think that's my favorite. He's like it sort was of a my robot favorite too. with a with his with his, his sort of, It's not even a a brain. It's kind of a whole head with eyes, and then this big brain kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like no skull, and it just looks really good. Um, especially when through some of the scenes, they are a little bit of the kind of comic relief as well for a lot of the time and you get to kind of some of the scenes towards the end of the movie and whilst that character uh doesn't talk there are things where they want to shield him so the one next to him puts his hat tries to put oh, his that, hand up over I'm his so eyes i'm so glad you mentioned that it's one of my favorite scenes yeah. <laughs> just just the idea that this weird brain thing is like so like weak and like needs to be protected from from visuals even though it's part of it's a clearly an alien representative on this council yep. it's like oh no don't worry uh, it's just <laughs> you don't so have eyes you can't shut your eyes don't watch exactly right um they reveal that uh you know some number of years ago they buried him never to be found or freed mm-hmm. yet he's like 3 2 meters below the surface yeah. of uh this backyard um, and with that, like, so when the, the stone is stuck there and there's like four or six little like bits of stone you can push mm-hmm. that like move down and Mimi, Mimi literally does any, mini miny mo going around and it unlocks. And then the later on, they're like, I don't know how he could have escaped. Uh, like it was the most encrypted, <laughs> like no one could have guessed that encrypted. It must be pattern. so intelligent. Yeah, uh, and it's like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. It's like, which again is like a throwaway joke if you happen to pay attention. Yeah. It's really good, but doesn't interrupt the flow if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then he escapes and he finds some generic crooks who robbed an old man, I guess. Uh, and, and then he gores. Like, that's the first real shot of gore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, uh, what does he do? So the first two guys, he, he makes their heads explode. Um, kind of rips them, yep. rips their heads off and pulls and drags them towards him. So it's kind of an essence of showing, uh, his, his power and, uh, and it, it's, it's a ridiculous scene and it, it's very, again, a very tropey scene because the, the crook is there going, Hey, f- you know, do one, blah, 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 blah. We'll, we'll kill you or whatever. And there's this great hulking monster, like as, as a shadow in the doorway. And you can very clearly see that's not a man. That's just a giant alien, clearly, through his little shoulder pads and the spikes all over him and things like this. But it, it leans into that trope of these, like, crooks that are, I don't know, so methed up. Uh, about the, the level of gore, but the, 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 the scene where he, Psycho Gorman shows his power. And I can't remember what his, what he calls himself. Psycho Gorman is a name that the kids give him. Um, he, is he like the Archduke of Nightmares or something like that? Um, but he essentially goes in and, um, rips these three guys to, to pieces. Uh, and one of them, he puts them in this sort of perpetual state of pain, I guess, uh, just to show how horrible he is, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it was a good show off of his power, you're right, and also a good show off of like where the gore is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so you have these like blood fountains off of the ripped heads, and then and also ripping arms, and then the like complete massacre of the one he lets live. Yes, like where he's all like half belted. Um, 
which I thought was really good. Uh, it sort of set the tone. Um, and I like that it was sort of, you know, that it reminded me of kind of like, um, the, uh, OG, uh, well, the first two Terminator films, especially of like just bumping into ruffians mm, mm. and overpowering them. Uh, and he just did that because they, like, they, they were in the building he was in. Yeah. Question mark. Um, yeah, so then the kids, like, basically, uh, the, the family finds the hole and they're like, how very strange, kids. You shouldn't have made the hole. Like, the parents are just dumb as bricks, yep. right? There's no way these kids dug it. They see some claw marks and the dad's like, I guess a hobo fell in and clawed his way out. Uh, or um, a big raccoon, I think the mum says, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then they, um, yeah, they do, and then later on they go, they track him down, <laughs> basically. And, uh, Mimi's got the crystal, he's about to kill them, and she says, stop. She thinks she's just shut up as well, uh, and then he can't even speak, and she realizes that he, she's controlling him with the pink crystal. That's the premise of the film. They control him. Uh, they, the, not them. She controls yes, him. Yes, yes, very much. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so then, but they still have their lives, which I really like. It reminds me of E.T. a bit, mm. right, where you have to leave them alone. So so they're like, and she's just like, you, sit there. Don't do anything until we get back. Yeah, yeah. And then they, 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 they obviously, they do go back. They, they uh, take him some bring magazines TV. and bring him a TV. And, you know, there's the, again, sort of the tropey dialogue, like, oh, we didn't bring you any any pornos. Um, and he's like, why would I want to look at, why would I want to look at half naked women? She's like, why wouldn't you want to look? He's like, hmm, why wouldn't I? (laughs) Yeah, it's such a good line. And then, and there's a callback to it later when there's a fight in that same, like, disused shoe factory. Mm. Or, not my hunky boys! (laughs) Because his magazines are in jeopardy, and it's like, that's very stupid, but it's, it's a, again, it's a very well-timed comedic callback. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, again, we're not gonna go beat by beat, but they basically, like, make friends, um, with him, but still have to run their lives, so they go to school, they do the standard thing of bringing their random friend in, mm-hmm. Alistair, Alistair is this, you know, blonde kid who looks like in between their ages, but it's hard to tell, because growth spurts, whatever, yeah. um, and Alistair is, uh, she clearly has a crush on him mm-hmm. and doesn't know how to deal with having a crush because she's this ultra aggressive, uh, girl as well as just that time of life is difficult. Uh, so Alistair comes over for dinner. <laughs> this is where I think we get into just how, how tropey those parents are because, um, oh yeah, the dad was supposed to, they all voted the dad to fill in the hole and then he like jammed his wrist, mm. uh, on the first dig and says, Oh, I can't do it anymore. So then the mom has to do all the work. So then he has to cook dinner and it turns out he microwaved chicken and steamed broccoli, I think mm-hmm. possibly microwaved. Uh, and like is super proud of his terrible, terrible rubbery meal and no one wants to eat it. Yep. Uh, but you get a sense of them immediately as like a very tropey couple. And it's probably a good time to talk about their relationship. Um what did you think of them? Um I like I liked the the two characters. The 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 dad is this massive kind of caricature and they they keep alluding to things with him. So uh, you know him going to like the Gulf War and saying that he was a soldier and then the mum like you've never fired a gun. 
and then, and other things where she says, um, you know, look at what you've done to the kitchen. And, yeah. and he says, I think my fa- you know, my family would thank me for a meal, uh, rather than taking any responsibility whatsoever. Oh, he is a hundred percent the worst. Yeah. He is like such a, such a, Reward me for doing my part in the family mm-hmm. trope. Mm-hmm. Like the bar for men is so low, it's a tavern in Hades. Yeah, like, <laughs> this man, <laughs> absolutely. And I think the mum kind of has been putting up with it and dealing with it as as much as she can. Um, and kind of, you know, she 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 has a point where she snaps uh, in the um, in the movie, which leads later on to. Uh, a part which we haven't discussed yet where, um, one of the council, uh, the, the paladins, the, the paladins, Templars. No, the paladins were his people. The, yeah, the Templars are the people we find out subjugated his people. Right. For their religious zealotry mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, uh, the, the, one of the Templars comes down, the, the main Templar comes down to earth to get him and then turns the mum into this Templar, pseudo Templar, and I think that's a really cool kind of arc for that character. Uh, it, it works very well um, with with kind of the way that she started to, um, you know, not want the kind of not the life that she has, but just want her husband not to be a complete cunt. Um, so she yeah. sort of takes that side of being more on like justice and and thinking that that is the right side of this after she's watched her kids play with this alien bad being who has caused absolute carnage everywhere or is causing carnage yeah and but i think so one thing we sort of skipped was the backstory he gave them which every time he tries to go to backstory the kids are like boring like 80s attention (laughs) span which i love because you don't get bogged down in in like captain exposition because it's like See, we have thought about this terrible exposition. We're going to make fun of that trope, but also not actually make you endure the whole trope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We find out that his people were persecuted by these Templars who are evil religious zealots. Um, and we get this notion of... Um, he wasn't necessarily all evil that the scroll had us believe. Mm-hmm. Like, even the scroll text at the beginning was like unreliable narrator because he wasn't the world's worst evil he became corrupt with the power but he actually freed his people first Mm -hmm. from like subjugation uh we also find out no i was gonna say it's only then through that through the corruption of the stone that he then just thirsted for destruction and 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 blood revenge essentially right um yeah it it was um it was an interesting little thing, which again plays into our, um, notions of, uh, like, it's like, oh, well, we can do this other trope too, the sort of galactic civil war mm-hmm. type thing where neither side is good. Yeah. He's just very violent, but we see that she's also very violent. Mm-hmm. Like, she travels to Earth, but like in that scene of we, we need to kill him, uh, she like summons a human into their little, um, Doctor Who war room. Uh, and then immediately crushes her into a cube, which like pulsates because it's still alive, which she smashes on the table and then just wipes across her face. And that allows her to take the human form of this person. And I was like, shit. And it's just clearly like a, we can make do all this nonsense stuff that doesn't really make sense. But it really hammers it home. It's not like 
I will eat this and become it, which is a kind of a trope. It's like, I'll just kind of destroy it for fun and, like, wipe the blood on my mm-hmm. face. It's like, oh, did you just eat a DNA? It's like, if you try and think about it, it makes no sense. But it's like, oh, these scenes never make sense. Yeah. And it's just like that putting a hat on it of like, yeah, this is how dumb these things are. So we don't even, like, we are pointing out how how this doesn't need to make mm-hmm. sense. Um. Yeah, and so uh, we also have a scene where she's uh, so so. Then the big thing with um, Alistair, of course, is Alistair's playing video games with um, Luke, uh, and Mimi wanted to hang out and doesn't like video games because she's like the more physical, aggressive type child. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, she then summons Psycho Gorman to solve her problems, and that's when. Um, Luke notices, comes out to the field, and she's like, I want Luke to play with me, essentially, right? Um, and he's like, I can do the thing that helped me woo the blah, 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 blah. Um, and his solution was to do what, Ben? He, he turned Alistair into a giant brain that has little sure. tentacles and eyes on the front of the brain. Big Blue cow eyes, I would say. Ah, Just giant, I mean, it's, wide-eyed. Uh, again, it, <laughs> it was one of those kind of like, I don't think I like this, but I know why they're doing it kind of moments. Mm. And then that's when the mum sees Psycho Goreman and like both the mum runs out saying, you know, get away from my kid. Uh... And um, and the dad comes out. The, bat. the dad comes out because he doesn't want her using the bat. Yeah, I was going to say. So she she smacks him with the bat. It, it cracks, and you hear the dad right behind her. Going, Not my lucky bat. Mm. Uh, which again, very I really liked, but also the fact that they both jumped over the blob. Yeah, over the brain, over the Alistair brain. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, we don't we like. I thought the trope was going to be, oh, she saw the brain thing and panicked and attacked it. But they're like, nah. Yep. Yeah, it's very good that uh, they they almost bring him in as this kind of, you know, very sideline character. And he is treated like that continuously through the film. Oh, you've gone completely. Yeah, Yeah. I thought I fixed it, but I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they, they 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 maintain that he is just this, you know, very sideline character, and he kind of uh, what comes, I like comes is, and goes in various scenes. Yeah, what I like is that they don't um, they skip all the like trying to undo things. Yep. Parts of these movies, like oh no, this bad thing happened. How do we fix it? It's like nah, Alistair's just a brain now, yeah. and it, she doesn't even. There's no immediate like oh, that's not what I wanted. It's like okay, you did that. Mm-hmm. And then Alistair's still like, I'm going to go home. Yep. And then there's this lovely, sad walk. And you can see that it's like a shell that someone is in crawling on the ground. <laughs> and it's the, it was one of the funniest things. Just because you could see the like awkward crawling mm-hmm. motion of them clearly like dragging their knees as it like bumbled along. Oh, you can't see my hands. It like the shell raising and dropping. Just like you're like, yeah, that is someone underneath a like papier mache like thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really fucking enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so so basically we then have, um, yeah, the mum and dad have their own beef. Luke and Mimi have their own beef. Uh, Angel thingy and 
Gorman have their own beef. Uh, and then we have the first real fight scene, which is, so, they bring the, a TV for Psycho Gorman, and he's like, it uses electricity, and in the very, again, Captain Sci-Fi exposition is just like, uh, right, so it has electricity, so I can use it to contact my home planet. <laughs> and, and he, he contacts his old paladins, his, like, his right-hand peoples, uh, and, um, yeah, he contacts them and says, come save me. You need to kill these kids because I can't because of the gem. And so when they're all traipsing around... Oh, they also... So, yeah, so he does that. Um, then he, uh, the kids are trying to teach Alistair Brain and Psycho Goreman, who is in this lovely, like, ask, red ascot, yeah, like, the, the, business casual the image people, cowboy hat. The image people will be seeing now, yes. Yeah, that outfit. Uh, and... Um, Trying to teach them the rules of, uh, of Crazy Ball mm-hmm. when two cops come to confront them. Uh, and Psycho Gorban, man, does he ever take out that first cop? Yeah. <laughs> Just grabs his gun and then melts him. Not, not quite though. He grabs the gun and then like tendrils come out yeah, like... and then bind the gun into him mm. and then the tendrils turn the guy into like a melty monster yeah. who's now on their side, I like guess, he's been, question mark. Been boiled. He's been dropped in a vat of acid and rather than coming out as, uh, as the Joker, he has, he has come out as a human probably would. Yeah. Kind of like that, the dude in Robocop. Mm. Uh, Emil. When the toxic waste hits him. Yeah. Uh, or Quato from Total Recall. Ah. Uh, Good old Quato. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so that's, um, most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you, so, you, were, you were saying sort of as they, uh, when he called his paladins, that's kind of the first fight scene. Um, his paladins decide that actually they like the position they're in now and, and want him to be dead and gone. So they can just go and, rule that take it in turns in the small democracy that they've actually created on this moon that they now live on um, right uh, so they so they they got they got the fifth moon of the of gygax mm-hmm. the planet as part of their deal to betray what's his name yes um they are and they i are really the, of nightmares yes um wow psycho gorm yeah come on now. what i really liked about that is the description that they take turns being leader yeah. like it's a democracy just needless but so joyful um uh yeah and then he's ready to kill them all but because he had he had ordered them to kill the kids uh Mimi's like you can't fight back with her mm. with with the crystal so he's just getting owned and then finally she makes him apologize and like so i guess that's the other trope that's going on as they like he's like what is love what is apology like you need to have a sincere apology uh and um so he apparently apologizes enough and then kicks their asses. And then immediately, and then two of the, two very funny things happen. At the end, he's like, the last warrior of them as he beats up. Again, these are all tropey warriors. There's like a Japanese witch. There's like a tentacle Medusa type thing. There's a robot who, who is like, like straight out of Doctor Who because it's like Cassius bot with like very brushed like very pretty robot made to look like great ancient greek thing and of course cassius um 
I had to look this up because I couldn't quite remember. Cassius and Brutus are the two people who betrayed Caesar. Right. And so when he makes a joke of, I didn't expect any of you to betray me, except maybe you, yes. Cassius. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a Julius Caesar joke, or is it another one? Yeah. Um, but it tur- so he then goes, you fought, you fought, a, uh, a, you fought well, so I will give you a warrior's death. And a warrior's death is if you, he had mentioned earlier in the film is that you eat, you get eaten, mm. and then the most hilariously grotesque part of the film happens, <laughs> which is he opens his mouth and it like full on billows out like a giant tent, mm-hmm. and he drags the guy in, munching him as like blood and gore spits out. It was literally and figuratively jaw dropping. <laughs> was yeah, um, yeah, and again just. Playing with that, like, ancient codes of honor type thing, but also just how dumb and gory can mm-hmm. we make this? Uh, but then immediately after he does that, there's no pause. He then goes, ugh! And Mimi's like, what's wrong? He goes, I'm dying! <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> something something about the they've used his own poisoned blood against him because they put it on his their weapons or something like that. They basically poisoned him by, by slashing him with their weapons. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, again, another weird trope, right? Like, oh, my blood used the wrong way is my weakness kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, so, so, so that was the big fight scene. It's also the most fighty of the fight scenes, yep. except for the uh, ish finale. Uh, so then we fast forward and the, the family has like basically, so they call the dad and the dad picks them up. And then they drive home. The best part about the dad at this point is how often he uses his sprained wrist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, oh, I, we, I, sorry. We forgot the goddamn montage, the song montage of the band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was randomly yeah, yeah, thrown yeah. in, wasn't it? Yeah. And again, that's, so that's with the more of an 80s trope thing mm-hmm. than I think a horror trope. Yeah, definitely. Thing. And I think yeah. that's why I, this, that, that's why this movie landed more for me was because of all the other 80s, mm. like, between the Spielberg-y tropes and the sci-fi tropes and then the montage and they even had a, have a clothing montage yes. in the middle of the song and they do like the, the very like sitcom riffs that were all in movies mm-hmm. making fun of like the in the doorway watching the dad eat the cookies, steal the cookies from the bake sale and then his, his Gorman like just walks in, glows his eyes and then his hands come out of the Tupperware and the actor must have had such a fun time pretending to be like grabbed yeah. as he's literally holding the prop to his face pretending he's trying to rip it off and like running around and cookies falling everywhere. Um, yeah, so, so the, basically we have this big confrontation, uh, and Psycho Gorman is sick and he needs the crystal to live, basically. The only way to cure the poison is crystal. We find out Luke took the crystal from Mimi and then we have the, the sides, right? Mm-hmm. It's Mimi and Luke, uh, Mimi and Gorman and dad and Susan, the mum and Luke and the Templar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, she's about to kill him and he's like, no. I will, you know, if you had any honor, you would let me die in combat. And then she's like, fine. And yeah, he's Mimi, like, I get, like, to, Mimi I get picks- to, I, I'm allowed to sort of suggest the challenge that we yeah. have to take. And then he lets Mimi decide the, the challenge instead. Yeah. Which, which we all saw coming. Yes. Right? Um, and Mimi chooses, uh, crazy ball. Yeah, More crazy ball. We have another, we have another, uh, moment where 
crazy balls explain for like the umpteenth time. Where have you gone? What? You've gone very far away. Have I? You did, yes. No, oh, fuck. My mic technology is just busted today. I'll have to reboot or something. <laughs> God, this is just annoying. Um, yes, so um, she she kind of goes through the rules of, of Crazy Ball again, tries to explain it to everybody. Uh, obviously, the Templar struggles with this, and as you see through the montage of them playing Crazy Ball, the Templar's the one that's currently getting like hit the most uh, and losing the most from everyone. But somehow it still ends up at 66 points each, and to win you've got to get 67 points. Yes, but there is the the only one of the only rules we know uh is um the switcheroo rule mm-hmm. which is if the balls co- if two balls connect in midair then the two people who threw the balls uh whoever punches the other person first gets all the other person's points plus one yep. uh so basically if you're halfway through the game and you hit you, the balls impact each other someone wins yes and Mimi always runs and, and punches um and so that's what happens. But then the Templars basically, well, this is preposterous. I'm just going to kill yeah. you, which you're like, so that was all pointless. Uh, it did let the various people work out some aggression, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and she, and she then, takes, uh, she, she then, uh, the Templar takes the power away from the mum, from Susan, doesn't she? Um, turns her back into herself, uh, from being yeah, and then a robot kind of Susan. Yeah. Um, and uh basically they're all in trouble and Psycho Gorman's like, Mimi, you need to give me the stone. Mm-hmm. And she's like, only if you... Right, so they had already agreed that if she gave him the stone, she would save the family. And there's even a moment where the dad goes, and everyone else on Earth, right? She's like, you kind of missed that. She's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and then they carry on. Yep. Um But yeah, so, so, so then basically Luke, after confronting her earlier and being like, you know, I've got my spine... Is like, I'm not sure. You've always been mean to me. As she's like, give me the stone so we can save Psycho Gorman. Um, uh, and this is the point in the movie which like doubles down on the tropes, mm-hmm. right? Because you you expect her to apologize, and instead she looks at him and she goes, "I'm the friggin' best." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the, the the song that we alluded yep. to in the montage, and then basically. Everyone starts singing yeah, along to this to this song in like a cappella that is basically just her hubris and self centered narcissism. Mm-hmm. And then Luke smiles smiles and gives her the thing, and it's like she didn't apologize. You said this like this this is so infuriating in the moment, but it, but I liked it better as a subversion of. And then they magically just t- change their heart because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen yes. in real life. Yeah. But it, boy, was I not ready for that trope inversion. I was like, fucking stupid. God damn it. Really? Cause again, I think like you, I didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was annoying that she didn't have any redemption, but also it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. So, so that, uh, so then she, she like Gormans the Gorman up and he, he like can fight, uh, and um then we get the last and the last true fight scene right mm-hmm. um which is pretty eh, except for how he so she's got a sword and he makes a sword which i think is the funniest part of that scene the rest is meh yeah 
Uh, I've talked a lot. Why don't you're you back. let us know? You're um, back as well. Yeah. Right. For the last, for the last I, I, little bit. Two minutes. Um, yeah. Yes. So he, he makes a sword out of her and, um, basically like literally just attacks her and, yeah, rips rips pieces off her rips pieces out of her uh grabs part of her spine and it's it's a very strange sort of scene because you're like okay i, I get what you're doing you're making a sword from her but why bother making a sword why not just keep ripping her to pieces because obviously you're quicker than she is so why go toe-to-toe in sword combat what what's the purpose of that but also how is she standing up having part of her spine ripped out and various oh. parts of her torn off to make this sword? Uh, and yeah. yeah. And also, I thought the whole point is you have all these mental energy powers. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So we just go to, yeah. we just have armed combat between each other instead. Yeah. Um, but yes, he, he beats her. And in what I thought was a nice, uh, twist on the earlier scene where you see him eating his enemy. He then eats her and says, I will give you a warrior's death and, and goes down to eat her. And the parents say, what is going on? And the kid's like, you don't want to see this. No. And, and, and they take yeah. them away, but they also take us away from that as well. So you yeah. don't see that happen again, uh, which I thought was quite clever. Uh, budget saving clever as well. Sorry. Budget saving. Yes. It was budget yes, saving and definitely. clever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it kind of, I, I like a lot of the, ideas around um you know how psycho gorman's been built up to this point about being this big bad but we understand that actually he was enslaved and this is more of a kind of a big revenge thing and it's you know gone too far as he's kind of gained and grown in power and those sorts of things and he makes lots of different people kind of live in an eternal hell by not killing them but making them uh you know husks of of, of beings in constant yeah. pain uh and then he's like no you you can have a warrior's death I, I, yeah. it has this like weird code which doesn't make any uh, sense but i think that's the point right is because these things are always like generic alien code oh, abso- oh absolutely it is for, again it's for plot contrivancy or spectacle yep. right yeah um yeah and so then basically the film's over the parents you know we we cut like they're all fine. They go home. Uh, we they go to, we do they see go to the hospital actually because the dad's oh, right. the dad's wrist, which he's clearly been faking the entire time, he high fives Psycho Gorman, and I Gorman hits that, him yeah. so hard that he snaps his wrist in half. Basically, Act- yeah, actually yeah, breaks and it and actually it's like breaks quite it. Well done, like exposed bone mm-hmm. makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very very smart. Like yeah, it's his comeuppance, yeah. right? It's like fake it, get it. Which is odd, odd because no one else seems to get any <laughs> any resolution. Uh, but yeah, so so I think that's like I think we've touched a bunch. But uh, the final scenes, kind of like a stinger. It's dinner at Alistair's residence, and he's still an Alistair brain yep. thing, and his parents are just dealing with it. Mm-hmm. As we cut to a TV, and Psycho Gorman's killing everyone. Yes, like on TV. Yeah. I like that, and it's such. I a, like the ticker at the bottom of the TV as well. Which comes up and it says something like, uh, um, large dickless purple monster terrorizing the city. Yeah, it's very good. Um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, that I was infuriated by characters, but mm-hmm. I knew that's what the filmmakers wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I'm so we've sort of touched on a bunch. We went more beat by beat than maybe we mm-hmm. needed to, but I'm curious. I guess because it, really it's because like there's so many small moments that I found. I found I really like this movie because of the moments. Yes, like the jelly cube smear thing was in such a like fantastical scene of like all kinds of very well done puppets. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, that type of thing. Uh, and then all the, like, throwaway lines of codes and honor and government and, like, bigger than the story story. Yes. Um, but, so, we sort of only touched on, like, you, you really disliked Mimi mm-hmm. to the point where it, it was too much, it sounds like. Yep. Um, Mimi and Luke, um, which they compound because Psycho Gorman remembers, like, the parents' names when he says goodbye, but doesn't remember Luke's, yeah. and it's a, it's like a running gag. He like three or four times in the film, it's like ah, uh, uh, and he's like Luke, and even one time he's like, you should know that <laughs> by now. Yes, and I, I, um, I think there's there is lots of clever writing in this, uh, and it's and it's edited and shot very very well to bring those tropes out to uh, to really show off some of the gore, some of the time. Uh, uh, to, to highlight certain characters doing things, but it, it, it was generally the characters and the way that they acted and their demeanor, which are, which is, is is what really put a, a downer on it for me. And there's there's lots of points in this film where I'm like, that's just stupid. Um, some of it stupid good. Uh, there's there's a part uh, towards the beginning where they go to find uh, where they first discover Psycho Gorman in the in the um, factory and. Um, Luke knocks over the guy that he he's put in this perpetual frozen torment, and he falls backwards, and his head like smashes and splatters everywhere. And there, and yeah. the kids are sort of like, and Psycho Gorman's pissed, and Luke says sorry to Psycho Gorman, but then the little mouth that's been smashed apart from the head on the floor is like, thank you. Yeah. So there's stupid bits which work, yeah. But there's also stupid bits. I'm like, he also, oh, yeah. just, just, yeah. And and the fights uh, look like something out of Power Rangers. And there's there's kind. I mean, that's the. I point. mean, it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. But there's there's little bits where I thought, oh, if they'd have just maybe made this a little bit less sort of schlocky, uh, it 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 would have hit a little bit better for me. Uh, but for You're some right. people, it's it's just pure B movie. And some people will yeah, just I was gonna say, love it's, it. I think that's the key is that like, if you have any beam, like it's not trying to do anything except an homage mm. while homage to while being a B movie, yes. right? Like, uh, it's, it's a shockingly low budget for this day and age. It's $110,000. Wow. Nice. It's amazing. Yeah. Shot in 16 millimeter. Um, which is like traditional B mm-hmm. movie stock. Um, but yeah, I think I get you. Like it's it's some of those production choices are very bad, mm-hmm. um, and they're knowingly bad while also needing to be bad because there was no budget. Uh, but if you, yeah, I think if you didn't have that nostalgia for those movies, then it's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I hadn't thought. Same thing with. Um, some of the writing pieces, it's like, it, it, if it's a trope, cause like I said, that travels through a bunch of different genres, and if some of those tropes aren't what you watched, it's a bad writing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned, like certain effect shots, 
Like the most, the only like real CGI like effect I think was when they needed to call for help and they call the dad who's on the toilet and Psycho Goreman's like glowing face. <laughs> yes. Yelling, come save me. And he's like, ah. and he, the dad is so inept. He's on the toilet. He's like, I don't know where that yeah, is. And they're like, it's, it's on this intersection. He's like, how do I don't know? And then they give him, and the Psycho Goreman pops back again and like gives him directions. Mm-hmm. But each time he's like, thrown off and like falling out of this the off the toilet and eventually he's in the bathtub and it's this like glowing face that yells at him and scares him and says the thing and then disappears and then he like awkwardly responds like i don't know what to do and that's like comes back with more information and they do it three-ish times and it's just enough to know it overstay its welcome it felt very like trope aware like early family guy without like Mm. again without overstaying its welcome it's like that same sort of okay but what what would happen actually in the world if, if like a glowing face came and told you a thing and you didn't know what to do you'd be like what do i do and they'd have like you'd have to have an open line of communication to solve that problem yeah. and then like going the extra three steps i thought it was so well mm-hmm. done um i also think that some of the more annoying bits were papered over in my watch because i was watching with people sure yeah yeah um you know, you've got someone to, even if it slightly annoys you, you've got someone to riff off of in that moment who might have a different opinion about it and, and shed some kind of different viewpoint for you to, you know, shift your own yeah. uh, a little bit or well, to concentrate on something else that's happened instead and, and discuss other bits. I was just say, or in a, in a slow part of the film, you, you mentioned a thing, mm-hmm. like, I can't believe that thing. Or like, so like that bathroom scene, like all three of us were just howling yeah. at the movie. Cause that's also, where the movie really starts to break to absurd rather than just trope subversion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where it's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do whatever we want. And it's like, well, actually, it's probably Alistair. It might be the, the moment. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Alistair and the parents ignoring him, mm-hmm. like jumping over him to confront Psycho Gorman. Like, yeah. It's, uh, but it's just so dumb. Uh, it's, it, I mean, I also love bad movies and dumb movies. Like, and so, yeah, this really worked for me. I can see why, like, and, and I think I'd be curious on second watch if knowing that Mimi never gets redeemed, if that's easier, mm. um, or if it's just more annoying. I, I can't see it being neutral, I think, on a second watch. She's, uh, yeah, it's also, with our discussion, I didn't notice or, or clock that, like, the only character who gets redeemed is the or like gets uh an arc of some sort of consequence is the dad mm. but and you get but it's just the physical break you get the sense that they're probably going to go into their same shitty self-destructive cycle of resentment and, it, and passive aggression and, and he even the dad is the one that that brings up the whole um uh aren't, like aren't we the monsters aren't humans humans are the monsters uh, you know, he very like oddly self-aware, yet completely, completely ignorant. Oblivious. Yeah, yeah. Like when when like the fate of the universe is is, is on the line, but he she, he's so butthurt from Susan calling him lazy early mm. in the movie that he's, he literally says passive aggressively, like, "I'd love to help Susan, but I'm just too." lazy <laughs> or takes a bite or and, drink or something uh, and, and it's just like when um when they're when mimi's with psycho gorman and he's gorman's wrapped up in all of these blankets because he's injured and she's kind of like oh, a, God, wrapped up so like good. a baby um and the dad's just there like 
holding the TV, which had been, uh, uh, which had had blood spewing from it, because it's the one that, that Gorman used to um, uh, to communicate with um, with his sort of his generals. The dance sort of you know moving the TV around is like, well, this is busted. And like completely, just <laughs> like so interested in just anything else that's actually happening. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's just like I'm. Yeah, I have my wheelhouse, and I I will do whatever I can to stay mm-hmm. within it and ignore all the real problems. Yeah, and it's the only time he ever really gets upset is when the TV breaks as well. Like he curls up in a ball on the chair. After, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Psycho Gorman basically like hurls a bolt or something, and it like bounces into the room and breaks the TV that he's watching the music video mm-hmm. on because that's how montages <laughs> and, and work. Singing along to uh, it. <laughs> Well, and so I found that shot really interesting because it reminded me that he vaguely had PTSD, but yes. you're like, did he? Yes. Because it felt like a very, like, oh shit, his PTSD kicked in because he's like curled into mm-hmm. a ball and overreacting to an explosion. But then you're like, he didn't, see, but Susan said he didn't see combat. Yeah. And I like the vagueness of his character. Mm. I, I think I said partway, it was, I think, one of his most passive-aggressive moments. I can't remember where, but I said to my um, my housemates that he might be one of my favorite dads ever to put on to put on film because he's <laughs> such a stupid-ass trope. Like, in, a, in such a toxically negative but very sadly true in the world band. Yes. And I was like, wow, they just... And they don't let him get away with mm-hmm. it, but they also let him get away with it. Like, the family does. The movie didn't. Yes. The movie yeah. broke his wrist. Yeah. The family, like, you get a sense that, like, yep, he's going to be real proud of his microwave chicken. That, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Quintessential dad scene is, like, he makes this terrible rubbery chicken. The two boys go to play games. And then Mimi's like, can I go? And mom's like, not until you finish your broccoli. And then she Mimi storms out and says, you know, I'm the champion. Champions don't have to eat broccoli. And then uh, the dad, like, leans back. He's like, she finished chicken. And then it cuts to the plate, which has both broccoli and chicken. And the, and Susan's like, no, she didn't. And he's like, and, and then it cuts back to him, leaning back, hands behind his head, just smiling, wistfully, like, obviously in a daydream. And you're like, boy, this boy, man is messed up. Mm. He's like, he's never really tuned into the way that their actual world mm-hmm. or family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, I think, uh, it, yeah, so it sounds like it, it, your biggest complaint was that, like, some of the bits didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably points to the bigger thing, which is because that's mostly trope and subversion of trope, it is like a puzzle piece. Like, the mm-hmm. narrative isn't mu- isn't anything but a stitching together of tropes. The character is the same way. And so I really liked it, but. Like I had sort of more of a nostalgia or uh, recognition of some of the other the tropes, so that the whole thing like came as a package to me. Like I didn't there were a few holes or gaps, but they didn't feel that bad. But I think by pointing out that it's like some of these tropes didn't hit well, or they just felt like empty pieces. That like this is a trope fest, yeah, and yeah, like absolutely. it does tell the story and it is interesting. But ultimately, I think. Your mileage may vary depending on how familiar you are with the tropes it's giving and subverting. Um, so yeah, you might like if you're not if you don't know B movies, I think this wouldn't be worth watching just because it would just be this strange thing mm-hmm. that gets strange. Yes, very much. Yeah, because um, I think you couldn't. You, you point like 
this discussion has helped point out to me that like you can only enjoy the subversion of a trope if you know it's a subversion of a trope. Otherwise, it's just this weird thing, and often subversion comes off as out of left field or dumb. Absolutely, and, the, 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 and again, yeah, there's moments which we can see as, as subversions which are just stupid to people who don't know what the story is sort of getting to. And a lot of people will, you know, if they don't know this kind of uh, style of film, will just scratch their head the yeah. whole way through. <laughs> yeah, the whole way. And then if you really take B-movies seriously, whatever that means, I think you would not like this because it just exposes tropes, but also... Mm uses them in weird ways but i think it's if, if you have even even if you aren't into horror uh, if you know b movies i think it's worth it worth definitely watch, for me it, it's I, just I, I really enjoy it's it. just a bit fun yeah. yeah i was just it's also like 94 minutes yeah. like really easy and I, I do think if we can scrounge a way to watch this with someone else mm. that would be the ideal um even if it's on discord or something i think like like that would be enough co-watching to help paper over those those gaps because like again there's some brilliant scenes that you immediately will talk about when the movie's going slow and i think that helps this type of movie Definitely. so much to not when you're by yourself and you're like okay yeah there's a lot of time where i i, I watched it here um because yeah the family were using the tv downstairs and i thought well they're watching something i'll come and, and sit and watch it on a, 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 a lunchtime and yeah. a lot of the time when it was on, I kind of sat back and was like, mm, I can kind of not half pay attention, but I've got it on the screen. I can sort of have a look at what the Discord, you know, everyone's kind of chatting in the Discord, yeah. what's going on and, and stuff. And it, there was some downtime, which I didn't have people to bounce off of to to fill. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a very, very good point uh, that this is definitely something to share with someone else. Yeah, like I remember the first time I, I recommended, the first time I watched The Room, I told a friend about it and he he watched it by himself mm. and he was like i don't understand why, why you think this movie is amazing I'm like oh you watched it already he's like yeah i'm like when he's like oh yesterday i'm like did you watch it with your your partner and he's like no i'm like but you hated it <laughs> like it's just uh, it's so much of that is an experience because <laughs> uh, that movie is all awkward pauses mm-hmm. where you need to like share with people yeah but cool um, well, I think that should cover us for this week. Um, so it's sounds like a, uh, a a strong recommend and a light recommend, depending on your familiarity with B movies, etc. Yes. And if you can find others who would be down to clown. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, uh, awesome. Well, um, that's us for the week. Uh, you can catch us live usually at noon um, if you want to watch the recording live with all the, the technical difficulties that may arise. Oof, what a day. Um, what an edit it's going to be. We also, we're, we're also two thirds of the Tanked Up podcast, um, which is all about craft beer and video games. Uh, we're joined by, of course, the lovely Lucy Yearwood, um, the strongest of us all. Absolutely. Um, a, I play first looks of, to, at games on Tuesdays at noon. Tanked Up records Tuesdays at eight. You play something. Uh, on Wednesdays, it's your last play lunches, mm-hmm. so whatever you kind of feel like. Sometimes it's a few weeks of the same game, sometimes it's... Yeah, um, I, I think, uh, depending on your availability, I think we'll, we'll stick to Battlefront 2 again, maybe. Sounds mm-hmm. good to me, yeah. Uh, and uh, Radari plays Insomnia Streams, 10.30 uh, British time. Um, 
on Friday. Yes. Uh, other than that, where you can find all that content and more articles, etc., videos, etc., uh, at outoflives.net uh, on YouTube if you're watching this uh, or not. If you want to catch us with the video that may or may not show my face, where YouTube uh, just look up Out of Lives Network on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to us as a podcast, please rate, review, share, subscribe, like, follow on all the things I should say. Uh, you can reach us at podcast at outoflives.net, uh, out of lives, ne- at out of lives network. No, uh, out of lives net, net mm-hmm. on Twitter, out of lives network on Twitch. Uh, I'm at the Omniarch and Ben is at Nova underscore 47. It's not my most elegant uh, outro, but it is an outro. Um, that's us uh, for another week. I've been Adil. I'm always Ben. Bye. See ya. www.outoflives.net.